Welcome to Toddler Purgatory. Welcome back. Welcome. If you're new, I'm one of your hosts, Blair. How's it going? I'm that other host, Molly, and this is Todd Pergs. Todd Pergs. Hope you're all doing well out there. Today we're talking about a hot, hot topic. Hot. Real hot. Sometimes stinky hot. Sometimes so hot it's stinky. And the weird (laughs) thing about this topic is it's been hot since the dawn of the diaper. Oh, boy. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, today we're talking about potty training. Ugh. <laughs> and Blair's noise just then is the noise many of us attach to those memories. Here's the thing with me, y'all. I have very little memory of it. And I think that was my brain taking that trauma away from my head. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm still in it. I'm still in it. So Yes. Blair has a five-year-old. So you're out of it with one of them. Mm-hmm. And a two-and-a-half-year-old. Almost three. Mm -hmm. Next week. So that's really, you know, you're in the the thick of it, the hot seat. (sighs) Are you working on potty training with her right now? Molly, let me tell you this. Okay. I have a lot of strengths in life, right? There's a lot of things in life that I'm very strong. My will is strong. One thing I don't have the will or strength for is potty training. Really? You just don't have it? Like the patience? It is not within me. I don't even attempt it, Molly. It's bad. Because with my son, it just kind of sort of happened. I was like, oh, all right, cool. This is, you know, some signs, whatever. I was just like, should we get a potty? I mean, like I look stuff up, whatever. Right. But with my daughter, and it's also, I just feel like with boys, it's just easier to just like run around the house naked. Just so you know, I did not. I just let it. <laughs> what Blair is alluding to is one of the many methods for potty training where you essentially, your kid goes pantsless for a couple of days. And they get used to the feeling of peas and poops. I think that was the other thing, too. I just get so overwhelmed by all the information. Oh, gosh, there's so much out there. Holy moly. Like, once you Google it, just give me, like, one thing to do so I could just, like, focus on that. But it's, like, so many things. And then the rewards and the things. And then you have a boy and a girl. And it's just, like, it's different on so many levels. And she's so smart, but she has no interest. In potty training. So she hasn't shown... Any of the signs. Well, let me back up just for a second. So the reason why we're doing this episode is not only because we have all either been through it or are going through it or are about to, but also because we were inspired by a Facebook post on the What Fresh Hell Facebook page from a listener named Jennifer. She writes this. New here and first time mom to an almost three year old. We started potty training and I'm starting to understand why some animals eat their young. (laughs) Jennifer, that is so dead on. It's so dead on. Mm -hmm. Our very strong willed daughter, Blair, sound familiar, Mm -hmm. seems to know exactly what buttons to push to send me right to the edge of the edge. Can someone confirm that potty training is survivable and or how to not scream into a pillow each night after the constant power struggle and venting? Hashtag toddler purgatory. Oh, Jennifer. I get it. We get it. We understand it. We really do. Yeah. So, so much. I think Jennifer hit on something, the power struggle and potty training is a multifaceted thing. You know, for some people. And then other kids are like, I think I'll start going on the toilet. You like, you just don't know who your kid's going to be. Yeah, it's so true. And because it's not one of those things either that you have, like my mom didn't remember anything. Right. Like it was one of those things that everyone forgets. Yes. <laughs> you know, so which is good, which is good, I think. Right. Yeah. Because if we remembered it, <laughs> we would never have any other kids. We'd be like, I'm not going through that again. <laughs> no, thanks. No, thanks. I just feel like. 
There's just something, I mean, I don't know. And again, I'm not like a gendery norm, pigeonhole gender person, mm-hmm. but there does seem to be something very different about girls and boys where it just seemed very like instinctual and just kind of natural for my son to just like whip it out and go pee pee, you know? Right. And with my daughter, it just seems like now we have to carry around the potty. We have like this like portable potty. Yeah. Which I'll link to this episode because it is amazing. It just has these legs that fold in. I think we had that one too. We kept it in the car. Yeah. And you just like put a little bag over it. Oh, it's great. Do you remember the name of it right now? The potty? Yeah, we'll link it. We'll link it. (laughs) It's called Little Tiny Potty with a Little Tiny Potty? Yeah, we had one of those too. I'm sure I read about it on a blog or heard about it on a podcast. (laughs) We kept it in the car. Yeah, it was super easy. And then, of course, as soon as he was potty trained, I was like, what am I going to do with this now? Yeah. Well, you know, I I washed it real good and gave it to a friend. That's what you do. You got it. So the biggest thing that I got from this Facebook thread, but also kind of in life, and I do remember some parts of it, (laughs) was... The biggest takeaway that we're going to kick off with is that the kid has to be ready in general. Mm -hmm. So unless your preschool has some kind of a requirement or that kind of thing, in general, I think most schools say your kid has to be potty trained by kindergarten, which is five or six. And in general, most kids are. So even though this feels the potty training struggle is real and it feels like it's going to go on forever to Jennifer and other new moms out there whose kids are maybe approaching time for potty training, You know, when you have a five and a half year old like I do, you won't even remember it. (laughs) So, hey, and I think there are a lot of factors that go into it, Blair. And you hit on one, which is like maybe there are some that are, you know, what parts they were born with or that they were born with female or male parts. Some of it is so much of it is the personality of the kid. If you have a spirited child or a kid who likes to test boundaries early, then it might be more of a struggle for you. You might have two steps forward one step back or vice versa. And also, you know, I have a friend and he said, I think he has three kids. And there's also a factor to what kid it is in your life. And I read that in a couple of the articles as well, where people say, listen, oh, and it was in the Facebook post. I think somebody also wrote it in the Facebook post. It really depends on what kid you're doing it with. Your first kid, you read all the books. You look at all the articles, you listen to all the podcasts, you really stress out about it, you plan, blah, 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 blah. And then your second kid, hey, you know, you're going to use a little bit of this, a little bit of that and be a little more chill about it. Your third kid, you're just like, they're watching you. They're watching their older siblings, which is a big part of it. And they want to be like them. Yeah. Yes. And so they're seeing this all happen around them. And with a little less pressure on them, maybe they kind of decide one day, I'm ready for big kid underwear. I'm ready to not go potty in my diaper anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, so that's what I was saying. My friend said the exact same thing that his third kid, I think he just like at one point was kind of dragging his feet on it. And he just kind of leaned down to him and said, it's time for you to start going on the potty. And the kid went, okay. And he did. It's so wild, you know? Yeah. I think that for my daughter, like I have a friend who has three boys and I haven't really talked to her about like how potty training is going with her. Well, last one should be done. But I feel like when you have someone like monitor, like mirror the behavior, yeah, it's easier. I don't know. I'm still just like, whatever. Well, does she see her older brother going? Does she? Yes. I know she loves, they're very tight. So I wondered if that's something where like, could you, (laughs) is this awful for me to be like, put your older child to work and be like, (laughs) hey, let your sister know it's time for her to start going on the potty. I mean, she's only two and a half. You know, she's not even three. So you have plenty of time. But he's even like said to her, you know. Or he's come to me and then I'll be like, you went poo-poo in your diaper? Like, why? And she's like, oh, I felt like it. Like, if you're old enough and able enough to say, I felt like it, then you need to get your behind on the potty. 
That's actually one thing I did read. A couple of parents mentioned is that going pee on the potty and going poo on the potty were two very different things for their kids. She likes going poop in the potty. She does. Oh, see, that's opposite from what I read is in general. She likes to go poop on the potty because she likes to ask for privacy. Oh, that's right. She does like closing the bathroom door. She's like, can I get my privacy? Can you please leave? And then as I'm leaving, she says, don't smell my poop. I'm like, well, that's not up to you or me. So many rules. The rules. (laughs) I wish I couldn't. If it were an option, I would choose it. (laughs) That is really funny. And I love that she also, but that she doesn't do that when she goes pee. Nope. She doesn't need privacy. Thank you. This is a public event. No problem. (laughs) Well, I think some of it too with number two, and my son is five and a half. With him, he's, he kind of does say some things and he's the kind of kid who gets pretty cranky. So we know that it's coming. We're like, oh, he's cranky. So he's either hungry, he's tired, or he has to poop. And when it's the latter, he kind of, I don't even know how to say it. Like he expresses relief, but I do think it's like they have control when they hold their number two in, they have control over it. So like sitting on the potty and having to go number two on the potty is a bit of a loss of control. Yeah. Also, they're so little. So they're losing like 5% of their body weight <laughs> True, as they go, you know? So I can imagine that's a whole body thing. So in our episode today, we know that our listeners, just like we did, have so many options out there, so many methods. You're going to have your neighbor suggesting something, your parents suggesting something, your pediatrician suggesting something. Ultimately, it's up to you. Today, we're going to go over signs that your kid might be ready, times when it might not be the best time to potty train. And we'll talk a little bit about the methods that are out there. And ultimately, what you use comes down to who you are, who your kid is, how your timing is, and your family dynamic. But we do want to talk about it and also just offer some information out there and mostly offer... Our sisterhood, our support to you, to all parents going through this. And I have to tell you, you know, my husband was right in it with me. I think he even bought some of the books. Blair knows my husband quite well. So she knows he's way more uh, motivated than I am. I'm like, it'll happen. He's like, oh, better order six books. (laughs) We won't open four of them, but that's all right. (laughs) But yeah, we did all that stuff. And, and, you know, and should we have another child or take care of another child at some point. I think some of the things, again, I don't remember too much of it, which is my brain just, you know, making that decision for me. But I do think that some things I got stressed out about, I didn't need to. Oh, for sure. For sure. Would I buy the Elmo talking toilet again? Probably not. It laughs when you flush the toilet. It's a (laughs) fake flush. It goes, ah And I feel like I'm lucky that that didn't traumatize my child because it did traumatize me. It's real cute, though, guys. It's real cute. And then, of course, after I bought it, like two weeks into potty training, I read an article where they're like, get the plainest toilet you can. (laughs) Don't do the bells and whistles. Don't do it. And I was like, 15 bells and whistles, please. (laughs) So, you know, just, hey, hang in there. Do the best you can. And we're going to go over some ways to set you up for success when we come back. Stick around. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. 
with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We're talking about potty training. We are commiserating. We are. Are we whining a little bit? Sure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. They get to. We should. They sure do. (laughs) So my kid started potty training around two and a half, and it is because I started to see some signs. On pullups.com, I thought I'd go to the source and see what are some signs that kids might show. And we definitely had some of these, which is why we made the decision to start potty training. And so these are just some examples of good indications that they're ready to start. So I'll say the two that my son did. He definitely started to show interest in others' use of the potty or copying their behavior. Like I would go around the corner and not see him and then glance into the bathroom and he was sitting on the closed toilet seat. Mm. And he's like, oh, I'm going potty. And he's kind of like, look around, like, nothing to see here. Doopa doopa doop. <laughs> I was like, cool, great. And I was like, great. That's a great sign. And also he would start, and this is another one of the signs, awakening dry from a nap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So did you have that too, Blair? Yeah, with my son and even my daughter now waking up dry and like mirroring the behavior. Yeah. <laughs> my daughter, when she first started, she was standing up and hovering over the potty much like her brother does to go PV. Oh, right. Couldn't figure out where her directional body part was. Which way? I was like, you need to sit down for that. She's like, no, I'm okay. I'm like, nope, I have to clean that up. She's like, yep. This is what she does, though, is she hides. Like I said, like she's got this issue with like yeah, peeing in the potty. But when she's just like not feeling like going poop on the potty, she hides. That's the other one, hiding to pee or poop. You can't find her. I cannot tell you how many times I have, just, my nose has led me to her. Yeah. I'm like, I smell you and you're not in the bathroom. Where are you? She's just like in the closet. What are you doing in here? Nothing. That's interesting that she still requests that privacy. Always. That's really instinctual. Because mm-hmm. a lot of this, you know, one of the articles I read was talking about how we have to remember that these devices have not been around forever. Mm-mm. Diapers, toilets, all that are things that we have devised as human beings, as items of convenience or, you know, sanitation or what have you. And so these are not unlike learning to eat, you know, a learning to walk, that kind of thing, which are, you know, much more built into mm-hmm. Homo sapiens, you know, that they can learn that kind of comes instinctually and comes from watching us walk and that kind of thing. Going pee and poops on a toilet is a almost purely learned behavior. Yeah. But that instinct to hide or want privacy when you're doing this thing, which, as we discussed, is somewhat vulnerable, sounds very instinctual to me. I wonder if, like, our Neanderthal ancestors did, like, go behind a bush. Good question. Thanks. And did they have a lot of accidents in their huts? (laughs) You know what I mean? Did they even bother to get up? In the caves? Yeah. Yeah. This cave stinks. Go use the rock out front, Jeremy. (laughs) Jeremy. Jeremy. Jesus, get out of here. I just built a fire. You almost put it out. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Now I got to eat dinner in here, too. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine the struggles. (laughs) Some other signs are that your kid might pull at a wet or dirty diaper. So they're starting to realize that it doesn't feel so good in there. Right. 
I did read somewhere once that kids who wear cloth diapers sometimes do potty train a little earlier because you can feel cloth diapers, the um, discomfort more. That's like going in your underwear almost. Yes. And they're like, okay, I'm done. Yeah, no thanks. Hard pass. Hard pass on cleaning them into whomever is doing cloth diapers. You are a true goddess. I did for a little while. You did? Yes. <gasps> well, not cloth diapers, but the ones that are like reusable. They have the reuse. I guess they're cloth diapers. Yeah. But when I think of cloth diapers, I think of like baby New Year with like literal cloths with like <laughs> oversized safety pins. I put myself right in the 50s. I don't know why. Wait, when you say baby New Year, you mean like the baby that has like the hey in his hands and the top hat? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I don't I imagine like. Is that what I'm thinking of? Like the baby that's carried by a stork? <laughs> yes. Is that what I'm thinking of? I think so, yes. Yeah, like an old school cartoon. But of course, cloth diapers have come so far since then. Yeah, they just have like a safety pin on the side. Yes. <laughs> like with a pink tip. You know, those oversized safety pins are so cute. But of course, that's not, that could be your reality. And if so, that's fine. But a lot of reality is like, hi, Molly, here's a thing called Velcro and elastic and a replaceable pad. So my, I have a really good friend named Sunny who lives in Italy and she was kind enough. She had some stuff in storage here in the United States and was kind enough to send me some of hers. They were called G diapers. G diapers. G doubles. And they were so cute. Oh my gosh. And she sent me, you can either get the disposable, but they're totally compostable. You can like break them down and stuff. Inserts to catch the peas and poops, or you can use the reusable ones, which you wash and then you can lay them, you put them in the sun to get bleached, you know, uh, clean or whatever. They have all these different methods, but those were awesome. I love them. They were pretty bulky. Yeah. So I ended up using those mostly at home. And then when we would go out. And I also did it probably maybe for the first six months or so. And then at a certain point, and not exclusively, never exclusively, I use them in tandem with regular diapers. So what do you do with like the big dumps? This I do not work for G diapers. (laughs) I'd like to say this is not an ad. This is just my experience. (laughs) They have these things like the insertable pads on the inside looks like a big, thick maxi pad kind of. Oh, that's comfortable. You kind of almost zip down the sides. I don't know how to describe it. Like you tear the sides off and the inner absorbent stuff is all flushable, truly flushable, not like flushable wipes, which is BS. Flushable wipes are not flushable. Do not flush your wipes. These are actually like, it almost looks like torn up cotton balls, almost. That's not a great description, but. Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you dump, you go boop, and that whole thing goes into your toilet and essentially kind of breaks down in front of you. Oh. And then you have a small thing that goes in the trash. And then you just give them a really good wash and, you know, just like you would anything else. But, and a lot of people have diaper services when they have cloth diapers, They, which is real smart. Yeah, true. That's what I would have done. I got to tell you, just do what works for you. I bought a lot of Pampers in my day, so I'm not turning my nose up at nothing. Get through it. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> One other thing we want to talk about a little bit is, so you're seeing these signs. There may be pulling out their wet or dirty diaper. They're hiding to pee or poop. They're showing interest in others. They have a dry diaper or awakening dry from a nap. They might also start letting you know that they're about to poop or have just gone in their diaper like your daughter. Yeah. Yeah, I just went. So they're aware. They're aware of their processes down there, right? But timing is important. So here are 10 examples of when to not push potty training. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not obvious, but like some of these are like, oh, yeah, I would never do it then. And other ones are like, oh, right. Yeah. Like anything else, set yourself up for success by getting ahead of these, waiting till after these things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So here are some examples. I'll give a few. 
Experiencing the birth of a sibling, huge transition. My son was two and a half when my daughter was born and we put the kibosh on it. Yes, that's good. And in fact, he was almost there and then we had her mm-hmm. and we just kind of like, we're like, ah, all right. And he regressed a little bit, but it was fine. I was like, double diaper duty. Awesome. <laughs> wow, this is fun. <laughs> so how long did you put a kibosh on it before you kind of got back into it? Maybe like... Two or three months, maybe? Oh, months. Yeah, great. I think where it was like, it wasn't like conscious. Like I was just like, wherever he goes is fine. Yeah. And then it was like, I started to be more aware of like the fact that I was changing two diapers. And then it was like, okay, let's get the potty back out. Let's kind of put this. And I will also say, and I will always say, I had the help of my nanny. Yes. You are lucky to have support. I had the help. In fact, especially now with my daughter, I lean heavily on my nanny. And she has actually taken the reins with it. So, Oh, she has? Oh, she's so great. She's so good. Miss P, we love you. She takes the potty. She does it. Yeah. She makes sure like, this is where I'm bad. Sorry, I'm derailing, but this is where I'm bad. And I think a lot of parents can relate is... You know how you'd like when you're potty training or when you're in that mode, you have to constantly bring them to the potty? Yeah. You know, do you need and asking them? I am so bad at that. First of all, you have a good point, which is try to lean on your support system. Yes. If you can, if you have one, if not, you know, even if it's just commiserating with fellow parents at the playground. Mm-hmm. Lean on your support system. If you have one, reach out to people online, join those parenting groups. I think there's even like potty training parenting groups, like specific on Facebook. Oh, definitely. Trade that knowledge. Ooh, just soak up those experiences, whether it's going to end up being yours or not is has yet to be seen, but it certainly helps you not feel alone. And if you have some support, whether it be a babysitter or a nanny or something, or a spouse or a partner, get them all involved. Let's cheer on this huge developmental milestone, right? <laughs> yes. It is a hands-on experience, and sometimes it's on your hands. It is, indeed. It's messy. Fun. And then going back to what you said about you, it is hard to keep track, particularly with more than one little one, of who's gone to the bathroom when you left the house. But This is why, if you can, try and get something for the car or for your bag or whatever. I definitely had... You know, between the diaper bag and, you know, having just a a change of clothes in the bottom of my pocketbook that I had for a little while, there was a bag that held a potty seat. Yeah. And when I went to a hockey game, the arena would not let you bring bags in unless they were clear and they had to be like a certain size and whatever. (laughs) I 100% went to a hockey game with a foldable toddler potty seat. Because his butt would have fallen into the toilet at these games and he couldn't hold himself up. It was too scary. It can be scary. You know, big toilets, little butts. Yeah. So I brought it because it's the same thing you're talking about, Blair, for the car. You can either stand the legs up so they can sit on it on the side of the road, which I did many times. Or they can flip out to the side and they can then they're like a little baby potty seat. Yeah. And so I definitely had like my wallet, my lip gloss and a toilet seat and some little bags for it, you know, because they had to see everything. It wasn't forever. To be honest with you, but no, it's a short season for sure. It's a short season and then they regress and then you do it again and, you know, they have accidents at school and you send extra clothes. It's not forever. Mm-hmm. So experiencing the birth of a sibling, don't do it. Don't body train. Any major family change, moving into a new home, you know, if they're transitioning from a crib into a big kid bed, that's a huge transition and they, their little brains can only handle one developmental milestone at a time. Back off. So can you. You can only like handle so much at a time too. 
Yep. Anything having to do with eating changes, if they're no longer using a bottle at night, if, you know, recently, if they're being weaned from breastfeeding, being weaned, or as I did, I just had a conversation with my three-year-old because I... (laughs) I was done. Breastfed until I was three. Until I was three. Until he was three. Stopping the use of a pacifier, all that stuff. Certainly a big one is starting at daycare or preschool or switching to a new school. Yeah. So either see that coming months out and get the process started or wait unless they have a a potty training requirement. And let me just say this for the record. You know, there's like this big, huge thing of like, you know, your kid must be potty trained, right? Your kid has to be. Here's the thing. They got plenty of stuff at these schools, you know, to handle accidents, to handle your kid. Don't put that pressure on yourself yeah. because there's enough pressure trying to get your kid to school and all the things that come with that, that the last thing you want to be worried about is if your kid is having an accident at school, they're going to have accidents. Yes. Period. Point blank. And if they are not fully prepared, guess what? When they get to school and they have other kids around them using the potty, it might rub off. So I'm just saying the Joneses, like, they got to keep up with those Joneses. Got to keep up with them Joneses, baby. <laughs> so just like I felt the pressure of that. And then whenever he would have an accident, they're like, oh, it was fine, though. And I'm like, then why the hell am I stressing? Yes. Needlessly. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the big things is if you're feeling pressure just from an external force, like like the preschool, your preschool teacher or administration or a well-meaning relative. So many people mean so well, well. but they need to back off. Back off. (laughs) (laughs) If your child isn't ready, nobody knows your kid like you. Nobody knows your kid mm-hmm. better than you do. So just, yeah, so gently tell them, eh, so, you know, she or he will be ready when they're ready. Mm-hmm. And you'll be looking for those signs. A great tip for when you do start potty training, focus on what they're doing right. Yeah. Don't punish them for accidents. Don't punish them for not letting you know. They have so many things that they have going on in that sweet brain. Mm-hmm. And we are just going to support, support positive reinforcement rather than punishing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big one for me. Because also sometimes you're like, especially in the car, Yeah, we had a thing where my son was, uh, we did like the three or four day method mm-hmm. and it t- took six weeks. It's fine. He was naked for six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I stayed home from work for six weeks. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, talk more about this in part three. But I didn't expect it to take a minute because I had read all the things and listened to all the things and knew it was going to take possibly much longer. And it did. And he had accidents here and there. And I would try so hard not to get upset when we would be leaving the school. I'd pick him up and I'd say, okay, let's go to the bathroom. And he would was so adamant, flat out refuse, would cry if I asked him to go into the bathroom and stand in front of the toilet with his pants down just for five seconds. Because I knew it was coming. I knew he could pee. Mm -hmm. And he wouldn't do it. And of course, I don't want to force it. I don't want it to be a negative experience. I don't want to attach negativity to this process. And then inevitably, we would get to the car. I would open the door and he would say, Mama, I got to go pee. Oh, yeah. And I'd be like, oh, my gosh. And it was coming. Mm -hmm. And so I'd have to like turn him around. And there was like plenty of grass and whatever. And I turn around and let him pee. And the school one point was like, so we noticed that... Your son has been peeing on the, we'd really love for him to do that inside. And I wrote back and I was like, wouldn't we? We would love that. <laughs> wouldn't that be great? Thank you so much for your support as I get through potty training <laughs> and my, a kid who doesn't know his science yet, he's still learning. They were great about it, of course. But yeah, it's a process. He definitely has pooped in that portable potty on the side of roads before. Oh yeah. The same with my son. Anytime he gets in the car, he's like, oh, mommy, I got to pee. I'm like, oh, great. 
Just pull over. Yep. Get, find a tree. We have a little portable urinal. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. Just put it right in there. What is it? Does it look like a milk jug? What does it look like? <laughs> it looks like a water bottle, but it has a top, like an elephant head. And the trunk is where you go pee-pee. And on that note, we'll be right back. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Welcome back to Toddler Purgatory, Todd Purgs, where we are talking about potty training. So fun. So fun. So there's so many, like, we've gone over signs of when they're ready, when not they're ready. (laughs) So let's talk about you're ready. Let's go for it. What are some of the methods that people do? Yeah. And try. And I feel like there's some people who whole hog one method. Yep. Like they just jump in two feet and I commend those people. What worked for us was a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Also, you try one thing. Guess what? It doesn't always work. You might have to pivot. So it's good to hear about the different things that you could try or the elements of certain methods too. Yeah. So ultimately, it's just about getting it done. It's also... I feel like there's like two thoughts. It's like, we are potty training. This has to happen. How old are they? It's going to happen. And then you have like, well, it's such a like instinctual thing. Like it'll happen when it happens. Right. Right. And that's where I was leaning towards. But like we touched on earlier, like Molly, what you were saying about how it really is a learned behavior. It's so natural for us to like, when we got to go to the bathroom, we go to the bathroom, but not for a kid. So I think that like, that's where I've gone astray, where it's like, yes, going poo-poo pee-pee is a natural instinct and something that we do, but actually traveling to the porcelain to sit upon it and get it done is not. It's kind of new. It's new. Yeah. 
God, isn't that funny to think about? It's so funny. It was never on my brain until it had to be. Yep. Oh, gosh, yes. I never thought about the toilet more. Also, I never thought about, like, cleaning products more. Oh, my gosh. Or about the fact that we moved into a fixer-upper and the bathroom had wall-to-wall carpet. Oh, gosh. Why, though? The good news is he was already potty trained. But when we moved in, I was like, thank God he's potty trained. (laughs) Because that could have been real bad. (laughs) Real sticky. (laughs) So just to go over some methods and, again, We all know we have limitless resources on these things, but I'd love to just touch on them so that you know you have options. Mm -hmm. Very popular one in a book that we did crack open and read, I think, most if not all of, is the Oh Crap Potty Training Method. Many of you have heard of. It comes from the book Oh Crap Potty Training, Everything Modern Parents Need to Know to Do It Once and Do It Right by potty training and parenting expert Jamie Glowacki. This is a version of the three-day method or the four-day method. You know, everybody has different names for it. They don't do it by the day, though. They're not like first day you do this, first day you do that. It's a series of six blocks. Each block focuses on specific potty training skills. Some kids Mm. take longer within those blocks than other kids. That's why I think they focus on that. And once your child has mastered each block, they will move on to the next. It's For your kid, it might be one day you do this and one day you do that. And the three-day method is, you know, a very... It's been around for a long time, before the book Oh Crap came out, the the three-day method. Mm -hmm. And so we definitely took elements of this when we potty trained because we did read that book. And so we took, I think I took a Friday off and maybe my husband took Monday, something like that. So we had some time. We tried to do all the positive things beforehand. Our son was in the loop. (laughs) We're going to be working on this this weekend. We're not just like, take your pants off. You're not ever going to have diapers again. We were like excited. We tried to get him excited. We bought big kid underwear with, you know, construction vehicles on them (laughs) and dinosaurs, things that got him excited to try it. And he was excited to kind of spend, I think it was March or so, March or April when we did it. So he was excited to like spend a couple days inside with mom and dad, frankly, Mm -hmm. with no pants on. And we had a dog at the time. So we had plenty of wee wee pads. We had those around the toilet in case we didn't make it. And we didn't make it a lot of times. And that's okay. And I think we kind of did it. I think some parents do it when every 15 minutes you have them sit on the toilet. And I don't think we were that clinical about it and probably pay the price, frankly. (laughs) But we periodically brought him to the toilet and checked in with him. And, you know, he had no pants on. So he started to feel what that felt like. And I think after a day or two, we he would look at us. Mm. So we knew it was coming. Like his head would whip to us. (laughs) And he'd look at us and I'm like, all right, let's go. You know what I mean? I'd boom, pick mm-hmm. him up. We'd go mm-hmm. again, keeping it positive, never punishing him for peas or poops, you know, dripping, whatever. It worked pretty well. I think we took a lot of what they said and, you know, made it our own. I did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I did not do that. My ADHD was just like, nope. <laughs> I love you, but I can't do it. I did it one day with my daughter. You did. Yeah, she like she actually drugged the potty out of the bathroom and she put it in front of the TV and I was like, Oh, okay. And she was having she was going through this like naked phase. Yeah. Oh good. Good timing. So I was like, All right, cool. And I was like fine with it. So I we just let the potty hang out in the living room all day. I think our potty was in the living room for a while. Now that you just said that, an image came into my brain of <laughs> flashback. My son like flipping through Daniel Tiger book while watching Daniel yes. Tiger. Hot Daniel Tiger face. Hot, hot Daniel Tiger face. Yep. Yes. Maybe because he hadn't pooped or hadn't peed in a while. Yeah. I remember that. Gosh, guys, what a time in our lives. <laughs> what a time to have been alive. Woo! 
Another method is called the one week method. It's been around for a while again, but it was made popular by Gina Ford's book, Potty Training in One Week. Gina Ford has been called the queen of routine. Oh. This is similar to the three day method. Yes. But you, this leans heavily on positive rewards, rewards based for starters. So like if they go number one or number two on the toilet, they, after they wash their hands, they get two M&Ms, say. If they have a day of success, then they get a small toy. You know, that kind of thing, a little, you know, like the tigers your son loves, like a little thing that they like. Mm-hmm. A couple days into it, you start building in small trips so th- to places they like. So like out to the backyard with no diaper on. Um, I think they go commando too. I haven't, I didn't read this book, but I think they go commando and then you add in underwear kind of thing. Mm. And short but sweet trips make it clear to the kid that they have to let you know if they have number one or number two coming, that they have to go to the bathroom. If they have an accident, there's no punishment. Again, this is all very positive stuff. Just hustle them home and then you might have a meltdown, but just let them know this is, you know, it's important for you to let me know. Otherwise, we have to, you know, go home to get cleaned up or whatever, whatever that thing is. So they start saying, oh, if I let my mom know or my dad know or my Grammy know or my caretaker know then I get to stay at the park longer, Mm -hmm. right? So hopefully that's the lesson that they get. It is in your best interest. Yes, yeah. So that's another one. Probably used a little bit of that, I think, because we had accidents all the time. I also brought stuff, so I I also changed him in the trunk of the car Mm -hmm. a lot of times. So hey, easy breeze. And then a couple of somewhat less popular but certainly valid methods. One is the infant training method. I'm still wrapping my mind around this one. But it's, oh, like when you put like a newborn <laughs> over a toilet. Yes, yes. Or over a bucket next to the changing table or whatever. Now, this is from an article from KiwiFamilies.co.nz, New Zealand. New Zealand. And they're talking about the four most common potty training. I die to go to New Zealand. I can't wait. It's on my list. Four most common potty training methods. So this was one of them. And apparently even babies have signs that they're about to go. Well, we've all seen the red face and the push, right? Yeah. But even when they're going to pee. So when that's coming, you hold them over a bucket and you make like a water sound so that they start to associate the sound of the toilet. No. Bye. Mm-mm. Something like that. I know. I knew you weren't going to go for it. <laughs> and then between the ages of like 12 months and 18 months, they start to really get kind of used to it or get used to the idea and then they're potty trained by age two. This might align with some parenting methods such as attachment parenting or whatnot where you're with them all the time. It doesn't sound very practical to me to a lot of people's lifestyles. Also, some people, they say that some parents use diapers for bedtime and outings, usually cloth so the baby can feel when it's wet, as we mentioned earlier. I knew you weren't going to like that one. Why would you want to put, I mean, like to each his own, two, two, as Molly says. Two, two, God bless. But like... Why would you want to put all that, like, that just sounds like so much work. Work. Yeah. For something that will eventually happen when they have, like, the brain capacity to get, like, no thing. You're going to take a pass. Making a sound, too? Ah! Nah. No. (laughs) And then I knew you were going to like it. And then the last one is the child-oriented method. Now, this is, it was interesting in this article, (laughs) they said that the person who was a proponent of this or said that this is a, you know, a valid method is also a spokesperson for Pampers, which they thought was very much a conflict of interest because it essentially says, let your kid be in diapers as long as they want. Oh. And that they will, it's truly child, it's not even child led. It's like your child will let you know when they want to go on the toilet. I don't know. Sounds, I feel like my son would be like, sweet. See you in eighth grade. I don't have to leave to go to the bathroom. <laughs> for sure. If that were, like the thing that his friends were doing. Yeah. Right. Or if it meant he didn't have to like leave playing. 
If you didn't have to leave the sandbox... Oh, come on. So there's just some methods for you. Whatever method you choose, just remember the big things, the big takeaways are keep it positive. Always. Keep it fun. You can play up the fun with activities like decorating the potty chair. Or if you buy the Elmo one, you don't have to because it is. (laughs) It is a party on the potty. It is a party in the chair. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you're going to do rewards-based training, pick out fun rewards together. Create a special potty progress chart. You know Todd Perks loves a chart. We love a chart. <laughs> and another article I read said to go shopping for that cute big kid underwear together. I love that. That's so yes, true. Yes, so yes. they're really excited about it. Keep it positive, positive. You can use incentives, even not necessarily M&Ms or whatever, but load on the praise. Like, just be like, you are doing it. Don't punish them for when they don't do it. Mm-hmm. Just tell them they're the greatest kid in the world for when they do, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in this article, they say, find those moments to celebrate and share them with everyone in your child's cheering section. That's kind of what we talked about earlier. Your support team can be part of, yes. you know, the float in the parade cheering this kid on, you know? Yes. Yeah. Whenever, sometimes when my nanny gets home, you know, she'll give a progress report and she'll be like, she went pee pee in the potty and we just go bananas. Oh, I love just, it. And she loves it. She's like, yeah, heck yeah, I did that. <laughs> number one and number two. How you like me now? We're like, we like you. And we'd like you to keep this up, please. <laughs> yeah, please, sweet Mary. Please, please, please. <laughs> totally. And you know, and that's a good thing too, is that sometimes they won't keep it up. And that's okay. Like mm-hmm. they say, if your child starts out fine, but then gets hopelessly stuck, no worries. It's not unusual for the potty chair to go back into the closet for weeks or even months. Blair, like you did with your oldest when your daughter was born. Mm-hmm. He had to put it on the back burner a little bit, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. If your child simply loses interest, if it's not a major life change, like a somebody joining the family or whatnot, if they simply lose interest, okay, put it in there for two to four weeks, they say. Cool. And then try again. Regression is so normal. So normal. Oh, my gosh. Regression happens for us, too. I mean, how many times do we, like, attempt things and don't follow through, Yep. put it down, come back to... You know what I mean? Like, it is what it is, and they're going to get through it. Just support them as much as you can. If you have to bring a potty seat in a clear bag to a hockey game, do it. Do it. There's so many parents, I'm sure, who saw it and were like, been there. <laughs> they're like, oh. Yep. To, to, to you, too. Your potty training. <laughs> Always have that toilet. Always be... Toileting, A, B, T. (laughs) And I don't even remember it. Like, I think it was probably a total of maybe six months. I feel like he was fully Mm -hmm. potty trained with accidents here and there by three or so. Oh, that's what I wanted to mention. Yeah. I will link this as well. But it's a little less earth conscious, but those disposable potty seats, they're just like... Oh, I think you told me about those. Yeah. And those are for... They are little butts on big potties. Mm -hmm. And so they have that tendency to grab, you know, the edges, which throw me into a complete panic attack. But these potty covers allows them to kind of like chill on the toilet and they can like put their hands kind of sort of everywhere and it completely covers it. Oh, yes. So if you're at something like an event, it covers the adult size seat, but also provides an inner circle for their butt to not fall through. And then you just, is that kind of what it is? Uh, Kind of. Okay. But it's paper. Oh, got it. Can you put the link on? Yeah, we'll put the link on for you guys. They'll fall through. (laughs) Don't lean back too hard. Don't get too comfy. Oh, it's mostly a germ thing. Yes, it's a germ thing. You know me and my germs. I do. No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to wrap up with a tip from one of our listeners, Kiona, who chimed in on our the Facebook thread from earlier. And she had a really fun trick, which I like. And this is all part of keeping it fun. Get creative. And Kiona's idea was... 
She told her second daughter that her poop is her friends, and her friends love swimming. <laughs> it's so funny. They are happiest in the potty because they can swim. If you put them in your pull-up or diaper or undies, then they get sad. Oh, poor nugs. I know. And then Kiona says, once she actually pooped on the potty, I had her say goodbye and send them down the water slide. <laughs> it worked like a charm. It's weird, I know, but it was so effective. And you know what? That's it. This is what you get, Kiona. Mm-hmm. Good job. Mad support from Todd Perks, Kiona. Nice work. Yeah, that's nicely done. Have fun. Use your imagination and know that it's not forever. Just take a deep breath and get back into it. You got this. You got this. Thanks for listening to Toddler Purgatory, a.k.a. Todd Pergs. We hope we see you on social media at hashtag Toddler Purgatory. Come on by. And uh, we'll see you next time. Take it easy. Real truth alert. Pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross-type paint-on-paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep. Oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking